Welcome back for episode 31 of Self-Signed Artist. It's something we've mentioned briefly on the podcast before, but it deserves its own episode. Today, we're talking to Ethan Geldenzopf about how he's created a business doing remote drum recordings. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here as usual with the one and only Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. And today we're kind of circling back a little bit to something that we covered a long time ago, early on in the podcast, either episode six or seven, when we were talking about other income streams for artists and musicians that were kind of outside of the things that you normally think of when you think of a music career. So we have a guest here that I'm really excited to talk about. He's doing some really cool stuff in the music world with his drums, and we're going to talk to him about it here and get some tips for other people who are looking to do the same type of thing. So we want to welcome to the podcast, Ethan Geldenzopf. Hello, how's it going? Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we want to talk about some of the things that you've been doing lately, but before we get to that, I want to do kind of what we normally do with most of our guests. We, we go back quite a ways, so we know each other well, but for our listeners out there and for, for Jake, who are, you guys are just kind of meeting, can you give us just a little bit of a background for yourself in music, how you got started playing drums, and kind of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Geez, well, I started playing drums when I was a kid. I was like eight. Kind of grew up with a lot of rock music around the house, a lot of theater music too. Uh, my sister was really into doing musicals and all that stuff. And yeah, so I would I would join some bands and, and things like that as, as soon as I could really. And then getting into high school, I started doing the pit orchestras a lot. Really fell in love with that sort of scene. From then on, I went to study at the University of Hartford. Where's that? In Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Never heard of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I studied music production technology alongside jazz percussion. My goal was kind of to get a new skill set. I'd been playing drums for you know most of my life, but I hadn't had too much background with any production stuff or anything. I kind of wanted to get that extra skill set to have in the tool belt, but definitely without stopping playing drums. So mm. That place, yeah, that was that was a great fit for me, and I was able to to keep really busy and work on a lot of fun projects, whether they were jazz related, whether they were rock, or you know, kind of any artists that were at school that that wanted to do extra projects. I'd jump in on as many of those as I could, yeah. And then while while studying the production stuff too, so I got to you know get comfortable on the other side of the board, kind of thing, and. Yeah, that kind of that's that's definitely I, I I guess the 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 two minute version I guess uh, <laughs> yeah and um, but yeah from there um, trying to so I've graduated at this point and yeah trying to keep myself busy with with all of those things and I definitely like juggling lots of different sorts of projects and and you know kind of keeps me on my toes that way it keeps me jumping from from thing to thing and yeah it keeps it exciting for me so nice yeah so I, I mean that all of those things that you just mentioned are kind of combined now in, into what you're doing. You're, you're doing the pit orchestra thing, and you're also now doing an online-based service where you're playing drums for musicians who send you tracks and recording 
drum tracks for them that you can send back. So that's something that we mentioned way back on episode six, I believe. Can you talk a little bit about that as a service as a whole and how you kind of got started doing that? I do want to circle back and connect that to some of the other drumming things that you do, like the the pit orchestras and stuff. But can you just tell us a little bit about how you got started doing these drum recordings as a service and what goes into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess ha- having studied the music production stuff in, in college and everything, I, I knew that I was going to get myself equipped with some recording gear at some point. I didn't know when that was going to be after college because originally I, I graduated, lucky me, right into a global pandemic. <laughs> so um, so originally the plan was to be, um, I had some some pit gigs lined up and things like that and for, for the summer mostly. And then maybe once that stuff sort of calmed down a little bit, I was going to go ahead and you know, start seeing what I was going to do in terms of a home setup or something. But then, you know, the summer came around and whether I liked it or not, <laughs> I, uh, you know, didn't have those pit opportunities or any sort of live things going on, obviously. And we're all in that boat. And so I kind of was like, all right, well, I was originally going to do this in the fall, but I guess I'll just start right now. <laughs> so what better time? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, figured that in a way, you know, silver linings to everything, I guess that I was able to to get that stuff off the ground with a lot of time on my hands and you know, the ability to stay at home for (laughs) extended periods of time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in order to do that, I think a lot of musicians have the ability to start going into that type of thing, but they're, they're kind of put off by the recording aspect. Like that, that seems like a, a big barrier for entry. And while I definitely think that that can be true, if you have no recording experience or anything like that, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, like the specificity of it, you know what I mean? Like where you're recording drums, how do you think that can translate over to other people who might be doing a, a like a different instrument where you're just recording guitar or something like that? Drums is probably the toughest thing to get into, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's more of a gear requirement. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more, I guess, just like overhead or something for that. Like you need, you need space, you need a, a place where you can play you know, at whatever volume, I'm, you know, very fortunate to have parents that are patient and, and don't mind <laughs> really <laughs> loud drums in the house for a lot of the day. Um, <laughs> so I'm definitely grateful for that. But yeah, and, and the space, it, it definitely calls for a different just level of uh, of a setup. But yeah, as far as like something like guitar or, or piano, um, perhaps, or, or bass or whatever it may be, I think there's definitely so much that is accessible on a you know, fairly modest budget too to to get really good sounds and and I think definitely it just goes into the whole thing of like better to have relatively crappy gear that you know like the back of your hand mm. and that you can, you know, really manipulate as best as possible rather than, you know, splurge on some crazy fancy stuff that, you know, is like driving a spaceship or something that you're never gonna be able to really, right. you know, <laughs> hone in on on how to use it. So yeah, I, Jake, I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit too, like as far as the the barriers of entry these days. Because when you started recording, were you, did you start out, like, like I, I know this is kind of how I started recording myself, recording my own band kind of as a necessity, a way to get cheaper free demo recordings and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that too and, and how it looks now as far as getting started with a small recording setup. So I started recording myself yeah, for the same reasons for, for my band at the time and to save some bucks and all that. When I was getting into it, it was definitely 
a little bit harder. Like you had to go to Guitar Center with like someone's dad or like <laughs> like your dad or your parents or whatever and like <laughs> find some dad out yeah, there. yeah like some dad that, is like, anyone here a dad yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean when you were like when you were like 12 yeah. 13 14 mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and like you couldn't work a job yet but you wanted you knew what you wanted so yeah i think i think when when i was getting into it there was like a few options and like you could definitely do it if you had a few hundred bucks, you could definitely, definitely do it. And there was probably way more products that I was unaware of. Mm. You know what I mean? That weren't in Guitar Center or just weren't marketed to a twelve or thirteen year old audio engineer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think now there's so much opportunity. Like I think the other day I was having a conversation about like when will the first number one hit be recorded on an iPhone. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's coming. Yeah. FL has their whole DAW, I think, on iPhone now. So I think all that to say, level of entry is like the bare minimum right now. Like you don't you don't mm-hmm. need mm. anything to get it. And it's this. getting lower. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're they're going to give it to you. They're going to start mm. making you get mm. into it. Well, and, and I mean, I think that's part of the weird thing about this as like a a time for that is that the barrier for entry is low, but that doesn't mean that everybody who's going into this has to be looking to be a recording engineer for everything. Like you don't have to be looking to record your full band or anything like that. The accessibility of everything makes it so that you can really specialize on one thing, whatever that thing is that you do, get really good at recording your instrument. And if you can do that, that opens up a world of possibilities as far as a, a career goes, doing something like this, th- this sort of drum overdub almost thing where somebody sends you mm-hmm. a song, you record your drums over the top of it. And I think it's really also changing the overall session musician industry as well. It's kind of the next evolution maybe of the session musician industry where you used to have to go to a, whatever, a music hub city where there are a bunch of studios, you come into the studio and you have to like hire somebody to come in to the studio and play drums. That person had to be local in a given area so that they can come to the studio and do it. Now with the internet and with every like lots of different people being able to record in lots of different places, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Where where it used to be like you had well, even well-known groups of session musicians like the Wrecking Crew, right, um, right. or the Swampers, like there, there are a, b- a bunch of different famous groups from different studios. Now it's kind of all gone online. Not all, but a, a lot mm. of it has gone online. Absolutely. So I think it's really interesting what you're doing, and I'm really excited to hear about how you kind of make that work and how you're going to go about getting it out there and, and building it up as a business. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are a couple other things aside from just recording equipment and recording skills that go along with this too. Obviously, you have to have some level of writing chops and some level of like musicality, being able to take what somebody's asking for and make it a reality in a recording. So can you talk us through Mm -hmm. your process a little bit for that and how you try and deliver something that somebody's looking for to them? Yeah, absolutely. That's... um. That's kind of the fun part of it for me is, you know, anytime someone reaches out with with the project is the the conversation with the client of, of figuring out what they want, you know, over a phone call or something or, or 
Zoom call or whatever it is, definitely much better than, than emails or texts. And yeah, you can sort of get a feel for, for their project and what they're trying to do for it and do with it. And from there, like the, yeah, the exciting part is, is turning that into a game almost of like, okay, how can I absolutely just like blow all of their expectations out of the water? Mm. Like they have something in their head. I want to like accomplish what they're hearing in their head, but then find a way that I can like give them whatever like special sauce it is that they're like, oh man, I never even would have thought of that. And then, cause you know, if, if they can just communicate what, what they're looking for or something, then, then they can do that for anyone. But if you can give them something that, you know, only you can, you know, have the creativity to think of or something like that, that, that it sets you apart, but it also, it makes for a really happy customer. So right. yeah, that, that's, that's the challenge of it. But I think just like the communicative part of that, you know, and cause everyone likes to talk about themselves too, you know? So, so the more you ask about, what they're doing, then they'll happily, you know, go off for a, <laughs> for a long time if you let them. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and then just kind of taking that and, you know, you live and learn a little bit too, like um, when too much, you know, when something is too much, when you really need to like bring the heat more than you were, you thought it was like a chill kind of pop ballad or something, and then it, it ends up being kind of lackluster, and then they've sent you a revision, they're like, all right, come on, like bring the fire a little bit, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> whatever it may be. Uh but that's all good. And then, you know, I mean, with that too, like you can set up ways to, uh, you know, have a sort of method or of, of steps in place in terms of like revisions or communicating back and forth. Or what I like to do is is send over a demo that I haven't like edited to the grid or anything. And, and it's just kind of like a one take, like general vibe. The transitions will probably be a little so-so or whatever, but I at least lay it down and, and send that to them like, you know, pretty soon after our initial conversation. And then that only takes me a matter of a few minutes, but then, you know, but then I get some really good, more detailed feedback at that point and, and can go in and really deliver what they want. And then it also gives the client an opportunity to, to talk about something more tangible because it, it especially with drums it's really funny to to hear very how various people try to vocalize what drum parts they want or, or articulate yeah. that <laughs> it's like oh could you do like a, like a you know it, it's everyone has their different things some people you know so <laughs> so doing something like that kind of kind of gives some context and and kind of grounds the whole thing into something that they can they can tweak to their liking and yeah the goal is to just give them something that they feel like is customized for exactly what they want and that a is made just for them, but B couldn't have been made by anyone else, you know, kind of for mm. my own sake, because yeah, if, if, if it's not at least a little bit, you know, of your own personality in there within reason and, you know, knowing where the line is on that, but finding a way to, to have your voice on it, because then that'll bring them back the second time, you know, is, um, right, yeah. the, you know, we want Ethan to play drums in this or, you know, whoever. So, yeah, I mean, that comes back to a kind of concept that's sort of central to really, I think, any service-based business, but especially a creative service-based business. Absolutely. Which is the idea of under-promise, over-deliver. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's the way to get things done. There are a lot of parallels in what you were saying that I can really relate to even from like a, a mixing-based business mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they're very different creatively. But that idea of like trying to have good communication skills, listening to what somebody's saying as they're trying to stumble their way through describing what they want when they they're not a drummer right like yeah, that's yeah that's a tough thing to navigate sometimes mm -hmm. so that takes personal skills and things like that so yeah i think all of that is 
really, really great stuff for, for people to think about if they're looking to do something like what you're doing or really any service-based business True, in, yeah. in music. And also with the like people like beatboxing what they want or something, like the level of trust that you can build by you know, in, in a vulnerable moment for them like that, where they're trying to like beatbox a drum part that they have in their head to a drummer <laughs> that they may or may not really yeah. know well, like <laughs> to really, uh, you, you, there's a great moment there to to build their trust and be like, oh no, I love it when when people beatbox what they're looking for, you know, or whatever, even if you <laughs> right. don't, but you know, uh, you know, you can make it work and, and then they feel really good about that and they can kind of open up to you a little better and it helps out everyone, so. Yeah building that personal connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as the personal connection thing goes too, I think one of the things that a lot of people might use as an excuse to not start a, a business like this, even if they have the recording chops, even if they have the playing chops and the writing chops, is the idea of looking for potential clients and starting building the relationships. I know as a mixer, it's, it's something that I'm working with all the time, finding clients. Jake, I'm sure... That's maybe, I don't know, maybe you have people busting down your door. Oh, no. But I mean, right now it's a weird time. Right, true. It is a weird <laughs> time right now. But I'm wondering if you can talk about that at all. Like for clients for this particular business where they're kind of looking for a virtual session musician, where are kind of like the client pools that you would look for? Yeah. Um, well, I guess kind of my, my initial thought with this sort of thing was definitely thinking about sort of this this rise of the bedroom musician and and the immense possibilities that are there and i guess for me it was also trying to think of like okay there's that amount of demand there you know coming from potential demand from from bedroom musicians and things like that but thinking that the extent to their recording capabilities often might stop if i'm lucky might stop at drums <laughs> mm. in a way you know at, at least you know i guess that's speaking more to to drummers now but you know the amount of better musicians that can have incredible setups and can get incredible sounds for vocals guitars all sorts of synths and, and bass and all that stuff from their room but then you know they don't exactly have a, a full drum set and you know a whole or bunch a of room. or or a room for for yeah for a room for a drum set to record that so so part of my thought was kind of jumping in on that potential like gap in the in the supply chain sort of thing and otherwise like definitely reaching out I've, I've been starting out by reaching out to people that were already in my network of you know friends and musicians that that I knew create stuff that was a matter of yeah just just cold outreach even if I haven't spoken to them in a while but like you know, hey, I got my rig set up. Like I, I you know, I've been playing around with it for a while. I, I can get good sounds and, and I'd love to just like do something. And it sort of started there. And with that, I was able to get, you know, a good handful of projects from from various folks. And that sort of helped me like get my feet wet and figure out how just the general back and forth, as we were talking about before with the clients and all that, how, how that can kind of run smoothly and what helps and what doesn't help. Yeah. So definitely, definitely not being afraid to just reach out to people that you already know and the worst that happens is that if they say no, then you're a person that they already know that the next time they potentially need that, they'll reach out to you. Um, right. But from there, using that to, to build up a portfolio and and also just build up the skills. Like I, I had, until recently, I hadn't recorded in this room that I'm in now. I've been playing drums in this room my whole life, but had never put any microphones in here. I had recorded at, at school and things like that, but using those projects to to just understand really what I was working with and what I had available and what I, what my possibilities were. So 
that really helped just build up the skills for it. And yeah, just doing it as much as possible. And then from there, now you got a portfolio starting to come out a bit, you know, you can, and, and you're getting better at it. You're getting more efficient at what you're actually doing in the projects and you kind of know what to expect a little more. And then from there, um, yeah, honestly, a, a lot, a lot of cold outreach, you know, I, I scound around on Facebook groups and stuff like, uh, that sounded creepy, but you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, 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 I peruse things like, you know, these, these songwriter Facebook groups and, and music production Facebook groups and also local ones too, local musicians, even though what I'm doing doesn't necessarily matter if it's local, but sometimes people like that when they see, oh, this is a dude. Yeah. yeah. You know, something in common. So, so that sort of thing. And then definitely a website, um, which I'm, I'm still, excited to see the results of it. it it launched very recently but yeah definitely harnessing the power of of a website which is definitely a necessity <laughs> yeah i think that's going to be a, a really big thing for this as a business too because you mentioned the importance of a portfolio if somebody's going to hire you and trust you to put drums on something chances are they're not going to do that if they've never heard you play drums exactly on anything yeah so and then the website comes into play there because you just need some place for people to go to hear that portfolio where you don't have to always do cold outreach where you're emailing somebody and say, here's my portfolio, check it out. Right. I mean, that can be a good way to go about doing things if you already have some sort of connection with people, but you mm -hmm. want, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with that for you as people start to stumble across that and hear the portfolio in and be able to see in their mind's ear what the possibilities could be if you were to play on something. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you. And, and it's another opportunity to sort of um, kind of like bring them into, you know, my own world of, I don't know, it, it's so strange as like, as an independent, you know, freelance musician or whatever you want to call it, like the importance of using your personality to your advantage, whatever it may be, you know, because no one else can do that, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, kind of using the website as a, as a place to, not only show them your portfolio and stuff, but kind of give them a vibe of, of what you're about and, and what else you do and kind of how you communicate things and how you present things and, you know, being able to inject your personality there. They can potentially see that, oh, I think I'd, I'd vibe with this person too, as not just enjoy their playing or something, you know? Right. That has a bunch of parallels with what we, Jake and I kind of do as well on just the studio side of things is that there has to be some sort of connection there. People have to be comfortable with you because at the end of the day, they're taking something that they've created, something that they're very attached to, and then putting that trust in you to not only not ruin the thing, but to understand what they're trying to go for and to make it better. So any way that, yeah, you can get that personality across. I mean, Jake, for you, it, with your clients and everything and in, in producing, how important do you think that that is in in the process of making a, a recording or making a record yeah 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 you have to gel you gotta gel i mean maybe not so much like in ethan's position i don't know do you, i don't know i don't know i don't know <laughs> hey man well he was i mean he was saying that like i think you do you have to get, at least get that personality across so that they know what your personality is and can feel if they're going to gel with you or not. Yeah. So. At least it helps a little bit, like at the start, like at least at the bare minimum, just getting across like, like I'm not a jerk, hopefully. You right. Know? Nobody wants to <laughs> yeah. work with a jerk. Yeah. So if I could at least get across that, I'm not about to like, you know, maybe be like super pretentious or something and like judge their music or whatever. If I could at least get past that step, 
then once I get on the phone with them or something, then I'll, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully yeah. it improves from there. But <laughs> I guess that's what I was trying to get at, Jake, w- with your studio and everything, because I feel like your studio is a place where people like to hang and people like to be there. They like to be in your company, which comes from your personality and the way that you deal with business, but ultimately leads to a a better musical experience and a better product in the end. So, I mean, that's, I think that's what I was trying to, to get at and how, how important you feel that is. Yeah. I just think it's important for everybody to feel like as comfortable as possible. And like, if yeah. you don't gel with someone, like you're not going to make good music. I don't think Yeah, you could, but like, it's definitely easier if you're like on the same vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And I think that carries over the internet as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, one thing that I think is always a, I guess a barrier to that feeling comfortable on a personal level and feeling relaxed is the like the elephant in the room anytime you're talking about any sort of service business with somebody is money. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're going to be exchanging money for this service. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit. You don't have to talk about what your rates are or anything like that, but just about that. How how do you kind of I know this is something that we've talked about just you and I in yeah, the past yeah, and Jake and I have talked about this <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. So, and this is always an issue. So mm-hmm, I'm wondering if you mm-hmm. can just break that down for us and your, your philosophy on that. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, yeah, I, I took a lot of time to, to sit down and think about what I'd like to make, you know, from, from a given project or how to, how to figure out some pricing system or whatever that I was happy with. But then when it comes to presenting that to, to a client, it's like, I try to not bring it in too soon. You know, I I try to tell them like, here's what I can do for you. Like lay out all the things that I can do for them or whatever first so that it doesn't set up this sort of vibe of like, I'll do this, but in exchange for money, you know, like I don't want them to, I don't know. It, 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 it gets weird with that. It's awkward. It it is. It's awkward. (laughs) And and like it, it sort of shouldn't be because like, you know, we, we have every right as people providing a service to be expecting some sort of compensation for it, but it's still just, it doesn't feel natural. So at least not for me. I mean, if it feels natural for you, then <laughs> power oh, to you, but like, definitely not. no, I just had a situation like an hour ago that was like, so I'm like in a bad mood, right? Not a bad mood, but like in a mood because <laughs> of it, because it got awkward. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, kind of being patient and and picking your spot with when to put that into the conversation but making sure you do before you do any work whatsoever yes obviously so or maybe not obviously so you know having some sort of agreement ahead of time because that that'll make everyone happier because the other thing is no one wants to be in a situation where you know say you did a whole bunch of work recording your instrument for someone's project before you had communicated what the compensation was going to be and then you're about to deliver it to them and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, like, how's this or something, you know, then <laughs> no one wants to be thinking about it at that point. Like at, they just want their, their darn record, you know? So yeah. it, it's, um, <laughs> it, it does help everyone to be clear about it before you go into it. Also in, in a way for me, I, I sort of ask it as a question. Like I, I tell them what I'm thinking that are based on, you know, my rate sheet that I meticulously developed for you know spent you know probably hours like debating in my own head about and all that (laughs) kind of stuff but you know or kind of you know once you've exchanged a few emails or a phone conversation or whatever get back to them be like all right so i can do this this and this for you for this much how does that sound and then also giving them a few options and kind of like price tiered options of um for me like where it varies is 
like amount of revisions or, or how much I'm editing. Like if it's someone that's mm. nifty with editing drums, then like I don't have to do that for them. And then they can, you know, they don't have to spend as much. So kind of giving them those options of, all right, so I can do this, this and this for you and it'll be this much. Or if you can edit the drums yourself, then I'll give you just this and this and then it'll only cost you this much. And that might kind of just work for them better and gives them the option. And it makes them feel like you just want to be a part of it and you're excited to be flexible and and whatever it is to to be engaged with their project and and with what they're creating and then ideally it will lead to them saying like okay which of these options as opposed to if you're even going to go with this person at all right you know i i love that i mean i think especially for that type of thing where you're writing something it's very much connected to creativity i mean if you don't do something like that, where it's sort of options or limiting the possibilities, I guess it becomes very much open-ended mm-hmm. and then it's really hard to even put a price on anything at all. Like, yeah. I, th- I think this is really where a lot of people struggle is they don't know what to charge for. Like, am I going to charge by song? Am I going to charge by minute of music? Am I going to charge by track? It really is going to look different depending on what you're doing and ultimately it just has to get them something that they want for a price that they can afford and whatever you can do to get them there right if you give them those options that can help lead them to that end goal i think that's something where people are going to be really appreciative and be more willing to make an investment in in whatever it is you're offering as a service absolutely yeah and and to add to that like you can almost like kill two birds with one stone if someone brings up a price to you first, if they ask like, you know, what are your rates for for drum recordings? Like that's like such a loaded question that like I tried for a few times around to answer like <laughs> in, in black and white, you know, like, oh, well, this much per song, I guess. And yeah. and, you know, to, to varying degrees of success. But like my rate sheet that I drew up for myself is there's so many variables that go into it. It's, you know how long the song is and how many revisions and if they need editing and uh, you know, all that, all that kind of nonsense. But I keep all that to myself and yes, before I give them any answer, if they, if they come out of the gate asking about a rate, which is understandable, of course, I take that opportunity to just turn it back on them a little bit and say, well, Hey, let me like, tell me about your project. Like, what are you looking for? And then it opens up that too. And they're like, Oh, this guy's interested in, you know, in what I'm doing. And, and you kind of use that as the opportunity to, not only figure out for your own purposes what you eventually will probably want to charge them or kind of what options you can present to them, but in the process, you are asking about their work and and doing the whole thing that I mentioned before about just, you know, getting to know them and, and what their project is like and what they're looking to do with it. And then after that, then it's like, oh, cool. Like this guy just listened to me talk about what I'm looking to do and he's interested and he's eager to help. And then it just makes it that much easier when you present them with those options with prices attached to them, you know? And then you're more prepared to knock it out of the park and exceed their expectations because yeah. you know yeah. all the things that you need to know. Yeah. And, and if they're going around to to people asking, you know, to say a bunch of different people looking for drum tracks or whatever instrument they're looking for, then, you know, if they're just going around asking for rates, you might be the only person that fired back at them with, oh, well, tell me about your project. What are you looking to do? As opposed to just being the person with the cheapest rates, because then you might not have the cheapest rates once you actually tell them, but you've already gone the step of talking to them about their project and putting in that time over a phone call or whatever to get to know them and stuff. And that just helps your chances. Absolutely. Any Anything to create that personal connection, especially with the online 
goes a long way. And that's something that I I really, really agree with what you said as far as posting rates online. It's, you can have a broken down, very systematic way of calculating rates, but mm-hmm. your client doesn't necessarily need to know that. And I think a lot of the time they don't care. Like they don't want to have to do a bunch of math to figure out what they're going to have to do to get their project done. Yeah. They just want to know like, can I get what I need for something that I can afford? And breaking it down by options, I think, is the way that you ensure that you can do that no matter what. So I think mm. your kind of philosophy on that is a great thing. And it got my head turning about some things for like a mixing business because I don't publish my rates like on my website or anything like that. But yeah, there there's definitely some some good stuff to think about in there as far as how to go about dealing with that. I like the sort of tiered options sort of idea. I I haven't really done a whole lot of that. I don't know if you guys, either one of you really know this, but I've done a little bit of this type of work as like a quote unquote session singer, I guess you could say, where I've done background vocals for things. And to me, it's interesting what you were talking about, like what goes into a, a drum recording. It's very different from what goes into, say, a background vocal session where I'm not cutting together like a take of a full song. It's layers of vocals. Mm -hmm. It's different parts, harmonies, doubles, oohs and ahs, call and response sorts of things, just extra stuff. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that, you can't apply the same rules. There's no one size fits all for creating a rate. It just has to be something that you're comfortable with at the end of the day where you're going to be able to make a living or make what you need to make doing it while also delivering what the customer or the client needs for their song. Those are the only two things you need to figure out. Yeah, and and that's why I don't, you know, if someone asks like what my rate is, I, I can't really answer and I tell them that I can't. I kind of am honest with, you know, definitely am honest with them that it's just like, well, it just depends on a lot of things. And, and you know, because I could say, oh, well, it's, you know, X amount per song, but if they, you know, then send me their like 25 minute rock opera, you know. <laughs> and they were hoping you're going to say 50 bucks a song. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And then I have to like, you know, <laughs> pretend that I'm like on Thick as a Brick by Jethro Tull or something. Then like, <laughs> you know, that it's, it, that just wouldn't work. So I, you know, I getting to know what they're looking for. And yeah, because absolutely for depending on the instrument too, if they, you know, if, say for a guitarist, there there could be 20 something guitar layers on a track, you know, at, at any given time or and even for for myself for drums, like it's it's mostly like a, a comp together take of, of drum set, but sometimes they need a lot of auxiliary percussion. Sometimes right. they need a lot of texture changes or whatever, you know. So yeah, I think it, it helps everyone to just uh, talk about what the project calls for ahead of time, because then you can charge them accordingly, and they're also communicating to you what what they're looking for. So. Mm. I'm wondering if there are any things that you can think of that we haven't really talked about yet that are sort of misconceptions that people might have about this as a business that you could start as a musician. Are there any things that you kind of walked into this assuming that you've now realized are just not true that you can give us? Hmm. I guess one thing is, I think that that like exuding some sort of confidence does go a long way. You know, I, I have my like personal like insecurities of whether or not my recording setup is really that good and whether or not I have the best mics or anything like that. And like, you know, to be honest, like I'm, I'm often playing on the drums that I got when I was in fourth grade, like (laughs) I take good care of them, but, but you know, I'm like, Oh crap. Like, is anyone out there like going to hear that? I'm going to send them something and they're going to be like, you know, what is this garbage? But 
that that hasn't happened yet because if you just present it to them like just this is what you do and you know obviously there needs to be a certain level of like skill to go along with that like it can't just be totally like unwarranted i guess but i i'd be shocked at this point if someone like really called me out on like you know oh th- this this sounds like garbage like or, or something like that like just in terms of like the gear or anything like that it's like mm-hmm. you know i I definitely did this. I set up what my setup is on a budget and, you know, used the gear that I've been using my whole life drum wise and stuff. But that hasn't once gotten in the way of any project. You know, maybe if they are for some reason used to hearing like drums with, you know, recorded through some Neve or something like that, then like, and then you send them what you're doing, they'll they'll hear that difference. But someone's coming to you for a remote recording and you know, you're not putting the illusion out there that you record through an Eve or something, or if you do great, but like, you know, um, (laughs) not creating any illusion of, of what your gear is. And it's just like, yeah, like I just like record drums. Then what I've found is people are sending me songs that either have no drums at the moment, but you know, at the, at the moment that they send it to me or maybe some MIDI program stuff. And just to send back, drums that were just recorded by an actual human being and played in real time by an actual human being is just worlds better than what they had been hearing the whole time for that song, whether it was nothing or, or MIDI drums or something. So, so it actually works in my favor that like, all I have to do is sound like a real person playing drums and that, <laughs> and that will already be like way better than what they, you know, we're, we're working with at, at least, at least so far that, you know, I mean, I haven't had people like, like, oh, I had this drummer do this. Maybe you could do it better. So, or, you know, it hasn't been anything like that. And so maybe, maybe that'll change, but I don't feel as insecure anymore about any gear stuff. And it's kind of like, you know what, I can sound like a real person playing drums and that's kind of what they're looking for. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great. And I think that's huge. I, in fact, we did like a whole episode on that early on as well in the podcast. I think it was episode four about being a starter because I think so many people, especially musicians, will talk themselves out of doing something like what you're doing Mm -hmm. because whatever, you don't have a multi-million dollar studio yet. Therefore, you can't possibly make a good product for somebody. And I think going back to the beginning of our conversation and the accessibility of all these things and the quality really of all of these things that are coming out that are readily available to people, at the end of the day, you just need to do it, start, get a client, even if that's a free client that Mm -hmm. you're, it's like your buddy who has got a song. You're like, let me test out my stuff. I just want to see if I can make this work. Like you just have to go for it at the end of the day. So I think that a lot of people are missing out on a big opportunity with all of the gear that they have. Maybe you have 20 guitars or whatever, 20 guitars a lot. Maybe you have five different guitars and a couple different amps. So you can get a bunch of good tones And most of the time they're sitting there. This could be an opportunity to take those things, put in a little bit of effort, figure it out and turn it into an extra income stream. So I think Mm -hmm. just being able to start is huge. And two things that I'd like to add to that. One is simply that I listened to that episode and that helped me. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) That that helped me, you know, kind of, you know, light that fire a little bit of, of, you know, (laughs) just, just get started. Don't stop thinking too much. But second, that, the first recordings I ended up doing with this whole setup that I had that I was able to get going like, you know, in the last handful of months or whatever is for my own band, my own music project that mm. we're still in the works of writing things and whatever, but we're, we've been writing remotely, obviously for, for safety reasons and 
and all that. But realizing that, you know, once you have that sort of like infrastructure to your musical creation process, then you could use that for yourself too. Like it doesn't just have to be for other, you know, <laughs> for sure. other, uh, other people's projects and, and all that. And that, I mean, you know, that's maybe where a good bunch of money will come in or something, but I've used working on my own music with my own band as, as a bit of a lab, you know, to, to get used to my gear a bit and get acquainted with it. And, and also just, uh, the fact that it helps there too, so that it's, you know, it's not like if in some universe I had zero luck getting any sort of client, whatever I tried and tried for years and like, no, not a single person on the face of the universe, like wanted even a free drum recording from me or something <laughs> like at the very least like i was able to to still use it like it's you know i use the equipment for for something so yeah i'm curious to see where you're able to take this because i mean we've you have other parts of your business that we didn't even talk about like playing in pits and stuff for mm -hmm. shows and, and and giving lessons i know is something also that you do totally totally but as far as this part of it this like kind of virtual session part of what you do where do you see that going in the next few years let's say post covid when you are able to go out and and do live things how do you see this evolving over time i guess we'll start with that and then how do you see this as an entire business for everybody going forward the virtual session musician mm, yeah yeah um well if you don't mind i actually i might answer the second question first because i thought of an sure. answer for it first um <laughs> uh is I, I think that it's just becoming more and more common. I mean, just with not having to worry about the overhead of some other studio, some standalone studio, like those those are obviously great for lots of things still. And I, I don't think that they're obsolete, but there's so much that can be done just from home and from a personal setup that one person is very comfortable with and knows how to record their instrument. And if you want that person on a session, you don't have to necessarily worry about, oh, okay, but maybe let's see if we can get this studio or this studio and this person to engineer it or whatever. But it's just like this person knows their gear. They know the room that they're in. They're comfortable with it. They know how to make their own personal setup sound great. Let's just do that. So I think that there's definitely a future for that. And I've been seeing that more and more on just on social media and stuff, you see people, you know, people are able to start making their own tracks and, and things like that. And I, I think it's definitely headed in that direction or at least opening up, not necessarily, I, I can't speak for whether or not it's going to totally overtake, you know, the, the studio part of the industry kind of as we know it. Well, but I think, I, I think that it's not going to overtake. It's just a, a different branch off of the whole business. Because if you think about the type of person who's looking for a remote service, whether that's drums or guitars or background vocals or whatever it is, the person who is looking for that doesn't have somebody in their own network who does that thing. Right. If you have somebody in your own network who does that thing, then a traditional studio setting might be the best way to get that because mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can be in the same room with them. There, there, there are other parts that go along with that. So I don't think that this is necessarily going to replace that. Maybe if a pandemic continues indefinitely, right. it would replace <laughs> it. But in a, a normal sort of uh, music industry, I think they're just two different ways of achieving something great. So I, I yeah, agree. I, yeah. I, I, I caution people from writing one off for the sake of the other. You shouldn't write off virtual recording because you have a great studio available to you if it is the best way to get you what you need and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And and with that being said too, even even just in the last few months with, with as much COVID precautions and stuff as possible in place, 
I've been able to like go to one or two recording sessions somewhere else. And even though they know that I have this whole setup, there there's still reasons to be in some other studio playing live with other musicians or whatever it may be. You know, I, I'm not going to have a jazz trio play <laughs> in my room where I only have <laughs> enough mics for my drums. Like, um, that's just not going to be a thing. Well, not so, yet, at least. Not, not yet, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I guess to answer to answer your first question about where I see this going, I think that over time, as hopefully live performances and stuff uh, are able to come back, my goal is to have this kind of running smoothly by then and kind of get used to the systems that I'm trying to put in place and all that stuff where I can sort of run it adjacent to something that looks more like a, you know, in-person focused music career, you know, with, with lessons and, and live performances and hopefully pit stuff. And, but to have this as an option and also as a way to make yourself more marketable and just more of a utility person to have around, like hopefully the next time I'm back in a, in a pit orchestra or something, I'm able to, to talk to whoever I'm talking to in the pit and, and say, Oh yeah, like I, I have this like studio that I'm, you know, whatever. And maybe they need something like that and you know kind of having it just as an extra way to make myself needed i guess i mean that's that's the the challenge really that we're all facing in the in the music industry or something is to drive up demand for what you offer so hopefully that is just another way that people are interested in in reaching out to me for whatever services i can provide and yeah i don't as far as uh other like infrastructure goes i don't know if i'm going to be you know, renting out some other space or something, uh, you know, but so far this is working for me and um, I'm excited to just really use it. I think use it to build the network more than anything else. Mm. Yeah. Just having that extra like, oh, and he can do this too. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the right. goal. So, yeah, well, I, I'm really excited to see where you take all of this and, and how you are able to kind of integrate them and, and create that sort of well-rounded picture. I think you're already well on your way to doing that. Your your new website is up where people can go and see all of the things that you do. And that's at ethangdrums.com. Beautiful website, by the way. Thank it looks you so really much. really good. It's well laid out, easy to navigate and everything. So I think, I thank think that's you, you. going to work really, really well. Awesome. Yeah, huge shout out to uh, my web designer that you can find on the bottom of my pages there, uh, Gabrielle Fiu. Absolutely crushed it. So huge thanks. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Is there anywhere else people can go to find you or, or see what you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook uh, if you're able to spell my last name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm sure that'll, that'll be written down somewhere that you can see. Uh, and yeah, on Instagram at Ethan, E-T-H-A-N underscore H-G. And on YouTube too, if you search my, my first and last name, I have a channel with some things there. Yeah, for your last name, Geldenzopf, which yes. I'm not going to spell it here. If you need to find the spelling, it will be in the title for this episode. You can yeah. copy and paste it straight from there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Ethan, for taking the time to sit down and, and talk to us about this. I think this is a really exciting thing, and I think it's a thing that a lot of people can take advantage of and, and start building in their own music careers, even if it's not their primary thing. It's a great way to have a sort of side gig that you can kind of do whenever yeah, you want, yeah. have some extra income. So I, I encourage people to consider that and take the things that Ethan's talked about today and see how you could implement them into your own music career and, and just become a more well-rounded musician on whatever it is that you do, whatever instrument you play or, or vocals or whatever it is. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ethan. This has been great.
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Guys, it's that time of year, the season of giving. So if you could go ahead and give us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and maybe share this with a friend or a family member, that would be amazing. Kobe, take it away. And that's all we've got for you on this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace.